0: John chapter 11 is where we'll be today. Don't stand yet. If you'll find your place there, we'll be there in just a moment. John chapter 11. John chapter 11, it's good to have you here this morning and grateful for all of our guests that are here as well. This is a story about the life of Christ uh, that I have preached from many times. And every time I come to this text, um, it has so many different ways of looking at 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 this text and and applying God's truth to our hearts. And so I have taught this and preached this text many times and I'm coming at it again from a whole new angle and that I believe the Lord will have a message for us to look at today and hopefully apply uh, to our hearts. So John chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped His feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. There is a purpose, and there is a reason in our pain. And we may not always understand it, but it's there. And the Lord says, This sickness is unto death. There's a reason for it, it's for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Thereby, thereby what? Well, by his sickness. Verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples saying to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou hither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, well, then he should do well. I mean, if he's sick and he's asleep, like, let the man sleep and don't wake him up. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus said to them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. Let me just make this clear, okay, just so you understand he's dead. And he says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless let us go unto him. Well, then said Thomas, which is later, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, "'Let us also go, that me may die with him.' And now when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nine to Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Well, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. And then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus says unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. Let's pray today. Lord, thank you for your word and this story. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today, Lord, that you would find the application that we need um, that, Lord, you'd help us with our understanding and that your spirit would be free to speak to our hearts and that we're receptive, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. It is a rare and a precious thing to have a friend's home, a true friend, to where you can go and enter into their home and you know that there, there is a spirit of listening, of understanding, of empathy, of peace, and of love. This must have been truly, even maybe even doubly truly for Jesus. He didn't have a home. But at Bethany, in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, these three siblings, he found an environment of acceptance and a place where he could rest from the tensions of life. He loved going there. In fact, the scriptures, as we read the gospels, we see him frequent their home, and they were obviously very close. But when we get to John chapter 11, at this time in Jesus' ministry, he had grown as a figure and his teachings in both controversy and in opposition. Some people were mad at him because they thought he had come to save their nation. They thought he had come to reestablish their kingdom. And they were really disappointed when they found out he came to only save their souls. Some were mad because he was a threat to their notoriety and their positions of power. In fact, later when they did crucify him, the Bible makes it clear that it was for envy that they killed him. That was their ultimate motivation. And so Bethany, the place where he loved to frequent, the home where he found rest and and, and relaxation and love, the place where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived was a hotbed of animosity for the Lord. And Jesus and the disciples had to keep their distance because people there wanted to kill him. But then Lazarus got sick. And Lazarus wasn't just any follower of Jesus, according to his sisters and those around him. Lazarus was a special friend of Jesus. Verse 3, the Bible says that when he got sick, his his sisters said unto him, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest. Well, Jesus loves all people, yes, but this was a special relationship. And they say he is sick. Lazarus is our brother, Mary and Martha. Lazarus is the man who stood by Jesus and opened his home to him. And if there was a reason for Jesus to go to Bethany in spite of the opposition and animosity, this, this was it. Like this man's special, Lord. And you need to come. Everyone knew he could heal people. In fact, later in the chapter, in verse 37 of John 11, the Bible says, and some of this, the, the men said this, as they're gazing at the tomb, and Lazarus is, has been in there for four days, and they asked this question, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Like, they knew he had power. Like, this is widely known. He could have healed him. He's healed other people. Why didn't he heal him? And the question, my better question may not have been, why didn't he heal him? But why wouldn't he? But Jesus chose not to heal Lazarus. Did he have reasons? Yes. He said it was for the glory of God. But did he disclose those reasons specifically? Well, no. They wouldn't have understood them, even if he did. They would one day but not on the, on the backside of it, not on that day. And so we read about Jesus' decision and response to Lazarus as he lies on his deathbed and to his sisters, Mary and Martha. Verse six of the Bible says, when he heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. He stays still. His disciples probably thought he's playing it safe. It's the right call. If he had gone there, he may have rescued Lazarus, but he himself would have, been di- would have been killed and ministry over. So in their minds, he's playing it safe. Good call, Jesus. But in the minds of Mary and Martha, it wasn't a good decision at all. And their brother in that time frame, he does die. But after two days, something else takes place. Verse 7. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. And the disciples didn't like that. Lazarus was already dead. If we were going to go, why didn't we go before he died? Why are we going now? And in verse 8, his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone you. And goest thou there again? Well, they weren't wrong. They were going to try to kill him. In fact, they eventually, not too long, too much time later, they would kill him. And by the time Jesus gets to Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. The funeral has taken place. All that is left is a house full of sorrowful people mourning his death. Verse 19 says, many Jews had come to mourn. It suggests that they were a house of prominence and influence among people as they mourned the life of this man with his two sisters. And so Mary and Martha are inside the home. People are all around them and they're grieving and they're going through this process of grief and they get word that Jesus was coming. And so Mary doesn't move. She's there and she's in grief and and people are around her and she, she hears it and she doesn't respond. But Martha hears it, she gets up, and she goes to meet the Lord. And then she says this to the Lord, and I want you to look once more at the text with me in verse 21, because this is a pivotal point in the text as it relates to how these two women interacted with the Lord. And Martha says to the Lord, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. We need to process this this morning. Martha's words conveyed a reprimand for the Lord. Martha is confronting the Lord, and she is insinuating a lot. Not just by the words she spoke, but by the body language with which she spoke them. And we'll get to how we know what her body language was in a moment. They say that 80% of our communication is nonverbal. So while I might be speaking to you this morning, my body's also communicating this message. We're communicating with each other in this very moment. And so Martha says these words, but her body also communicates a message. She's insinuating that God made a mistake, that their family wasn't as important to him as other people to whom he was ministering. That Jesus put his own safety and life ahead of their own. That Jesus came too late and his timing was off. Maybe not with words, but with thought and attitude. Have you ever reprimanded the Lord? Lord, if you hadn't let my loved one die, if you'd only given me more money or blessed this deal, if you'd given me a healthier body, if you had given me different parents, if you had just fixed my spouse, if my kids hadn't rebelled, the list goes on and on and on. Lord, if thou hadst been here. We may not always say it, but sometimes in our actions and attitudes, we betray the thoughts of our heart. And Martha believed in Jesus. She did. It's clear from the text. Martha reverenced him. She loved him. But Martha did not understand him. And her hurt drove her to hold God accountable for her pain and her disappointment. It's not my fault, God. It's yours. If thou hadst been here. And then perhaps she softened her stinging words by the next statement in verse 22 But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will, God will give it thee. What was this? It was a theological statement. It's a truth, sure. And how does Jesus respond to a theological statement? Well, he responds in the next verses with theology. She says, I, I know that God could do anything through you. And Jesus goes through, well, I'm the Christ. I'm the Son of God. Yes, you are. Do you believe it? Like, you would think she would believe it. And now Jesus is affirming. Like, do you really believe that I'm God? Because maybe if you did, you wouldn't be responding to me the way you're responding to me. And she says, yes, Lord, you know. She says, I believe you are the Christ. So the Lord said, okay, I just want to make sure that that's settled, that that's baseline here. And then we get to verse 28. And when she said, please read there with me. When she had so said to the Lord, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, the master has come, and he calleth for thee. And the Bible says as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but it was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews, then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. And I want you to pay very close attention to these next few verses. Verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, And that's important. And she says unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Sound familiar? And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he observes her tears. He looks at her on the ground. He looks at the people around that were following Mary, not Martha, but Mary. And he sees this scene. And the Bible says he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then we read these two words, the shortest verse in the Bible that conveys so much to the human heart. And the Bible says that Jesus looks at this scene and for the first time we see that he weeps. He is moved with compassion, and he is moved with empathy, and he is moved in groaning and a troubled spirit, and tears flow down his face. Mary comes to the Lord, and Mary says the same exact words that Martha spoke. It was as if they had rehearsed them. It was as if they had been together, commiserating, looking at each other in their sorrow and grief, saying, yep, yep. Yep, the Lord, He didn't come. He didn't come through for us. He wasn't here. And they both go to Him separately and say the same phrase. But there was a big difference here. Because Mary fell down at His feet, weeping. She felt that. But she communicated something very, very different. And Jesus' response to Martha was theological and philosophical. Martha received from the Lord what she gave the Lord. Mary spoke the same words, but they conveyed hurt and brokenness. And Mary didn't stand there. The Bible says that she fell at his feet. It's a composition of reverence. It's a position of submission. It's a, yield, it's a position of a yielded heart before God and His will and His ways and His glory. She came before the Lord and she admitted her hurt and her brokenness. And like Martha, Mary received from the Lord what she gave to the Lord. Martha gave a cold response. She received one. She gave theology, Christ gave her theology back. But Mary brought her brokenness and her hurt to the Lord, and what did she get in return? Love, warmth, acceptance. She gave tears, and she got them back. Verse 33, look there with me, please. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also which came with her, they were weeping, he groaned in the spirit. He was troubled. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And that's when he wept. And the Jews' response was this in the text. Behold how he loved him. He did love Lazarus. But he wasn't weeping for Lazarus. He was moved with tears because he watched Mary hurt. And it hurt him. And I want you to know something today. That your tears and your sorrow and your frustration and your disappointment in life are not lost on the Savior. He sees them. He feels them. But I want you to understand this truth. How you come to the Lord matters. It matters. Mary came with her hurt and just abandoned herself to the Savior. But Martha came with a corrective, and an argumentative spirit, and it's on full display again. Verse 38 with me, Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said these words, take ye away the stone. If Martha believed that he is God, and that he's perfect, and that he's the Savior, shouldn't she just have kept her mouth shut? But she can't help herself. Here she is. She is combating the very person she affirms as God. And she says to him, Martha, the sister of Mary, uh, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto the Lord, Lord, well by this time he stinks, for he hath been dead for four days. She just can't help herself. She is going to correct the Lord at every turn. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee. Can you feel the tension here? You don't get it. We already talked about this. We already settled this. Why are you coming at me again? Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe thou it should see the glory of God. And what was Martha's problem? She didn't really believe. Her words said one thing, but boy, she did another thing. She was communicating with the same words that Mary was using, but they were communicating very, very different messages. And then, oh, yeah, after this, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. No big deal. He says, come forth. Lazarus does, and Lazarus comes out of the grave alive after having been dead for four days. Okay, but there's a principle here. It was a lot easier for Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead than it was for him to change Martha's heart. Raising Lazarus from the dead is the easy part. Changing Martha and changing you and I, well, that's a lot harder, because only we have power to do that. Why does it matter so much that our hearts be like Mary's and not like Martha's? Because you get from the Lord the response you give to him. God is love. He loves us all. He accepts us all. He gives it to us all unconditionally. But then it's our time to respond. And how we respond to him will determine his response to you. You ignore the Lord. You mistreat the Lord. You're unfaithful to the Lord. You say the right things, but then you do something else. Don't expect him to weep for you. He didn't weep for Martha. He wept for Mary. But here, this is true too. You fall at his feet. You take your pain to him. Well, that's when he saw. That's when the Bible says he groaned. That's when he was troubled. That's what elicited weeping from the Savior because he was a broken woman. Just no... No pride, just falling at his feet. And reverence and worship and brokenness, no argumentative spirit. Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Communicates a different message entirely. A broken heart, a yielded heart, a worshipful heart. There is special comfort and help from the Lord to those whose hearts are soft toward him. And if we would be a Mary... In this way, and if we would not be a Martha in this way, then we're going to have some principles that apply to us. And I'm going to go through these quickly. And the first one is this. We need to have faith that God loves you, even when he might apply that love in ways you don't want. I'm going to tell you, I love my children. There are four human beings on this planet that I love more than my kids. But there are moments, as a dad, when that love has to be expressed to them in ways they don't appreciate or want. But it is what's best for them, and it is what they need. See, it was outside their thinking that Jesus would raise Lazarus from the dead. They didn't know it, and they did not understand it, but Jesus had delayed his coming intentionally. They presumed he was late. But he was arriving at just the right moment. He wasn't tardy, he wasn't late, he was just on time because he's God. And he asked Martha, Do you believe it? And she said yes, but her actions said no. Her spirit said no. We have all experienced situations in life where we feel like hope is lost, financial difficulties. Broken relationships, sudden illness, job insecurity, and we lose faith and we say things like, what do I do now? And where is God? Does He care? And and, and by inference, we're saying, well, Lord, if you had been here in my troubles, things would be different. In other words, my problems are because of you. But your expectations of God aren't a fair measurement of His love. You may look at your life and not understand what He is doing or what His plans are, but that doesn't mean He doesn't love you and that you aren't important to Him. Mary and Martha said the same phrase. They had rehearsed it to one another. If Jesus had been here, this wouldn't have happened. He took care of others, and we were close to Him, and He didn't take care of us, and it's simply... Not true. Jesus cared deeply for the pain that they felt. Later, the author of Hebrews would write in chapter 4: Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And I want to tell you in this moment that Jesus felt the infirmities of these people, but they received from the Lord what they gave to him. He is moved when we hurt. He is touched with our infirmities. He cares deeply for us and he is concerned. And the Bible says here that Jesus wept and nowhere else in scripture is this Greek word used for weeping. It literally means he shed tears. No one loves you like the Lord. No one. Not your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends. No one loves you like God does. Small and big alike. Whether you're far from God, whether you're close to God. He loves you. He is committed to your care and your eternal well-being. But we're going to get the response from him that we give to him. And we need to know this this morning. No matter what takes place in our life, it's for his glory and he loves you. And we need to internalize that truth. And number two this morning, we need to stop focusing on our hurt so much and instead focus on God's goodness. You know, you stare at a forest in the sunshine and you can stare underneath the forest, underneath the pine needles, underneath the leaves, and you can look at how dark it is and how scary it is. And you can focus on that. Or you can look above and you can see the sunshine and the bright blue sky and the light dancing on those same leaves from up above. You choose what you focus on in life. And we get too easily focused on the negative things of life. There are a lot of negative things in life, yes, but there's a lot of good too. And there's a good God who's bigger than all of that. And instead, we want to focus on all the evil. And it's wrong. And the whole book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, when you look at things on a linear level, you'll see darkness. But you look at things above, and you see that sunshine. And there's a lot of good too. And we need to focus our attention and our thoughts and our time on that. Stop fighting the Lord. Stop correcting him. Stop being so combative with him. In your spirit and in your heart, we need to learn to yield to him. Stop focusing on your hurt and focus on his goodness. Mary had hurt, but she had a surrendered heart. The Lord's goodness and the warmth of his presence brought her to fall at his feet in worship. Martha could have but she didn't see evil and good are both present but you have to choose which one you're going to pursue second corinthians says chapter 4 it says for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish the body gets old there are some dark days yet there's light above the tree limbs too because the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction If we wanna see it that way, we can. It's but for a moment. And if we wanna see it that way, we can. Works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but that's what we do. The challenge from the text is this, look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are not, are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And the good in this world is so much greater than the evil. And there is blessing and there is light for those who have eyes and ears to see and hear. Our problems will all be solved one day. And we need to keep our hope in that day. And our eyes on God's goodness. We need to know He loves us. We need to focus on His goodness. And number three this morning, we need to never stop believing that our problem is too big for God because it is not. And too often we get to thinking like humans do, that God has limitations. Martha thought that. Well, well God has limitations. And if we can't see a solution, there must not be one. My brother's dead. He's been dead four days. You didn't come. You got a problem. You made a mistake. Limited thinking. Who would have thought that a rotten, stinking corpse would rise again and tear grave clothes off and come out smelling like a rose. No problem is too big for God. If God can raise a man from the dead, He can help your life too. But Martha's heart was a whole other problem. My kids love telling me, telling, love it when I tell stories from the pulpit about them. And so I've been able to get away with it in some of the morning services because they've all been in the kids' programs. But Sophia's in the youth department now and she's here. <laughs> Sorry, Sophia, I'm going to tell a story. And Sophia was a little girl. She came home from church one day. And we always ask our kids, what'd you learn today, who taught? What'd they say? Did anything weird happen? <laughs> you know, the usual questions. How did God speak to you? Sophia gets, she's, she's a real tiny little, little thing. She, her eyes get big, and she starts telling me a story from the Bible about how Jesus was in a boat on the waves with his disciples, and they were in a storm, and the boat was about to capsize, and everybody's gonna die, and her eyes get real big. And she says, and Jesus stood up, And what he was supposed to say was, peace be still, but Sophia got up and said, and Jesus stood up and said, Please be still. (laughs) I listened to that little girl say that, and I thought, that's a pretty good edition of the Bible, Sophia. Because that's what we need to do sometimes, is be still. Please. Please. Please be still. Mary had composure. She waited for the Lord to call her. When He called her, she came. She fell at His feet. She embraced the good. Look, God is always working in the background to secure our greater good, and we need to trust Him. There were two responses to the Lord. One was combative with God and resisted Him. And the other melted in His presence and took their hurt to Him. One received... God's correction. (laughs) Said I not unto thee? Do you really believe me? The other, his special affection, his love, and the one time that we read about that he wept. Your response to God this morning is going to determine his response to you. And so for a moment, could I play the part of Martha in verse 28? I'm going to secretly call you with no one else listening and say the master has come and he calls for you. And so your hurt, your frustration, your disappointment, Your pain and your brokenness, you can fight him. You can harden your heart, and you can correct him. Or you can fall at his feet, but you can't do both. I'm going to tell you, it's easy for Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead, and it's easy for him to fix the problems in your life. But it's not easy for him to change your heart, because that's in your power to do So would you come and would you get it fixed this morning? Let me ask you to stand, heads bowed and eyes closed.